0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Tavern Voices. I'm your host, Kevin King. And with me, as always, is the uh, anti Trump puppet of Satan himself,
1: <laughs> Tyler Crawley. How goes it, my friend? It's never Trump. It's never Trump. Never Trump. Puppet I'm of sorry. Satan puppet of satan that's what I got the I, important uh, part that's true that's true that that is the important part because when you sell your soul to the devil it's all about um it's all about brand and so they want to make sure everyone knows that i am a uh, puppet of satan for those that may have no idea what we are talking about um i had a be listener. Everyone. that's true maybe a couple um i had a listener today on my radio show uh i posted i, I had senator tom tillis on talking about Iran and I was just letting everyone know hey you know tune in and uh she said ha I would never listen to those two never trumper puppets of satan talk about anything and my initial reaction was I didn't even know that I'd sold my soul to satan and if I did I should be making way more money I mean like whenever i watch the movies when you sell your soul to satan you like live in a mansion and you're surrounded by beautiful women by the pool and it's like – You it's, get some sort of talent. Yeah. And if, yeah, if people yeah. are listening to this, they know that that's happen. Yeah, that's also so, true. What did I get for selling my soul? I feel like I got nothing because there's uh, – the, the, the talent did not come my way. So I'm just wondering what I got in this Faustian bargain because I, I, I feel like it, it wasn't very good
0: no no i think i think you got the uh the short end of the stick and i did want to say before we we got too into the weeds that um you know we took a break it was about a a seven month break um i think that's a hiatus only- that's a hiatus <laughs> <laughs> what is it when uh you know when a professor goes off oh yeah yeah, yeah. Like,
1: i was just about to say that sabbatical um, sabbatical sabbatical yeah
0: yeah, so we took a sabbatical to to recenter our zen, and um, mainly because I got tired of you, Tyler. But um,
1: well, it was also a very long negotiation, selling my soul to the devil. It was a lot of fine print, you know. It was like a lot of things were in that contract, so uh, that's why it took so long. So I apologize, but we're back.
0: We're we're back, but it's and it's for a good reason because about what was it <laughs> yeah. two or three weeks ago, Tyler? We celebrated the tenth anniversary a ride on campus radio show.
1: That's true. Right on campus after hours debuted. Uh, what was it now? It was the end of November. It was the end of November, 20, uh, 2009. And uh, my Facebook memories was like, Hey, you got a memory. And I clicked on it. It was like, Oh my gosh, 10 years ago we started in radio. And I, w- I think, I think I may still have the show on one of my older computers. I probably should pull it up just to make myself feel better because we're talking about my talent earlier. While it's not great, it's a lot better than what it used to be. And so I could probably go back and be like, wow, all right, that's where I started. Cool. Things have gotten a lot better, at least hopefully. Um, But yeah, it was 10 years ago that we started. And so. Yeah, I still have some
0: of our old uh, promos that they did (laughs) during commercial breaks. And so I will have to uh, to dig those out and and put those um, at the end. So, everybody's going to have to listen or at least fast forward to oh, the yeah. end of this episode. No, you know what
1: that's called? I've learned in my, my years in the business. It's called a tease. Ooh. It's a tease. So, you got to wait to the end. Actually, this is a podcast, so they can just fast forward. It doesn't work as well in a medium where you can just fast forward and rewind. On demand audio has taken away the ability of the tease because. You can now just go to the end right now if you want. We, or, or we could just take imaginary commercial breaks like That's right true. now. That is very true. We could do that as well. Um, yes, yeah, so it was 10 years ago we started. And um, wow, how things have changed. And interestingly enough, the reason we decided to do and start things back up was because you had texted me last night because you were watching Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News and he was talking about, you know, what was going on with Iran last night and his entire show was, I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. If 2003 Tucker had heard 2020 Tucker, 2003 Tucker would be calling uh, current Tucker like a liberal wussy and would be calling him a con- I mean, Like all these names, I can, I can just only imagine what, you know, Tucker back then would have thought because I mean back then he was banging the war drum for the Iraq war, you know, he was Mr. Capitalism and all this stuff. And for those who don't know, Tucker's gone full on populist. And I will give him credit because he was like one of the only pundits last night that is actually sticking to the ideology, talking about the fear of being in the Middle East and, you know, escalating things with Iran. Everyone else just kind of jumped on the uh, the bandwagon and was like, yeah, force is great. It's always good to do all of these things. But it just goes to show how much things have changed. Because 2003, you know, the entire Republican Party and kind of the country, to be honest, was full on board with anything the president wanted to do. And the fact that you know, there's this divide in the Republican Party about what should happen with Iran. I think really highlights how much has changed not only the last ten years, but almost the last twenty years.
0: Oh, it really has, and I think part of that is um, the dynamics of the Republican Party obviously have changed, right? I mean, when when we're talking about going into Iraq in two thousand and three. I mean, that was 16 years ago. All of us have grown up a lot yeah. in that period of time. And it's also a lot of hindsight. We kind of look back and go, okay, did we get the full picture? Were things really how they were portrayed to us? And did it make the difference that we hoped for? Because you've got to think about – if you go all the way back to 911, obviously – you know, our reaction, I think, was was justified. And then as things changed and as, um, as time went on and you have the ups and downs, you have everything from the mission accomplished banner to the insurgency, um, to Obama's withdrawal, and then sending troops back, you've got the establishment of ISIS. I mean, so much has happened um, that I think personally, my frustration and listening to Tucker last night, even though he may be Mr. Uh, reasonable war uh, time person. Now he still blamed Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that, but that he had to throw the dig in as if it was somehow uh, you know still the left's fault for for whatever happened. But um, I think the problem is is that you can't be. And I hate to say moderate because you and I have gone back and forth for 10 years now about, you know, kind of moderate policies, uh, you know, being, you know, full tea party or left and and being in the middle and being wishy-washy and flip-flopping. But I think the problem is, is that you're not allowed to be in the middle on these things because I think after after, you know, 20 years now of being involved in the war and in the Middle East and how things have evolved – there is no good answer, I think, and it 's weird to think of that as an answer, but it 's like if we completely withdraw and do nothing over there we 're not safe it's they didn 't come after us like the libertarians would like you to think, just because we 've been involved over there over the years uh, there 's an ideology that 's much deeper that is anti christian anti western that being said we're not making things better with a lot of the actions over there. So I really think you, there's, there, there is no right answer. So I think everyone on both sides is equally wrong all at the same time. <laughs> in the last 24 hours. That's my favorite
1: position. Everyone's wrong. Everyone's insane all at the same time. I mean, it is true. I mean, it's also kind of fun. I I was, Earlier, I was, um, I saw John Kerry was arguing that we need to see that intelligence and we need to be very careful because, you know, we've gone to war before and the intelligence was, you know, it was falsified and it was lied to. We were lied to. And I was like wondering when John Kerry is going to start arguing, we got to be wary of the deep state or got to be wary of the deep state. I mean, it's like, it's so funny how we just jump back and forth and no one ever goes, whoa, 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 how did we make that? swing i mean the democrats for the last three years have been telling us how um we must trust the intelligence community and how dare you put anything that they produce into question and now they're all on tv saying like oh that intelligence you know we can't trust it we need to see it and how dare you just you know trust the intelligence community on blind faith and it's just like what and then the republicans are now making that argument like we don't need to see it you got to trust the president you got to trust his decision you have to trust the intelligence community it's just and amazing how we all just like flipped In like 48 hours And like the start of the new year We all decided to change our opinion On the intelligence community But you know The one thing that drives me nuts Is this idea that America first means That we get out of the Middle East Because all we care about is America And it was really interesting too Because before we recorded this podcast And just so everyone knows It's around 1 o'clock on um, Wednesday afternoon I was listening to Rush And you know the Godfather of talk radio, it just yeah he's one of the reasons i'm in the in this business to begin with, but he was talking about how the deep state doesn't want us to use force in the middle East, and I was like, what like isn't wasn't that the argument that many on the right were making that they wanted us to use force, and that the neocons who controlled the deep state were trying to and there's just no consistency with ideology anymore and it drives me crazy because that's one of the reasons I got into the business was to, you know, was, was to tout an ideology because I believed it was the right one. But the one thing that also drives me crazy is um, the inconsistency with the ideology, like with regards to Iran right now, where the Democrats are simultaneously arguing that Donald Trump is a puppet of Vladimir Putin, but then also arguing that he wants to go to war with Iran. And anyone that knows what's going on in the Middle East knows that Iran is somewhat aligned with Russia and that Vladimir Putin has no interest in, in Iran going to war with the United States. And so if, if Trump – if Putin had his way, he would stop America from going to war. He would not – they would not be escalating things. And so it's just it's, – it's, it's like we decide, OK, Donald Trump or Barack Obama is the head of an organization and whatever decision they make, regardless of whether it aligns with my ideology or not, I'm going to be against it. And that is the ideology. Now it's against whatever man is the lightning rod at that time. And it's insanely frustrating because what's the old saying, right? Like, you know, small minded people talk about, um, you know, people and, you know, intellectuals talk about ideas. It's like, we're all small minded. Now we don't talk about ideas. The only ideas that we talk about are attached to men. We're not making decisions based on ideology. We're making decisions based on what a man decides. And if he says something and you're against that person, you will always be against whatever he says. And that's just a horrible way to conduct policy, Because especially with Donald Trump, because Donald Trump is so inconsistent with his ideology that it's just going to make everyone go crazy. And you know what? Maybe that's the whole purpose of of his presidency, is to call out both sides, potentially.
0: Well, I think that he unlocked, he, he saw what was happening, right? It, if he can be the person that people are gravitating around, it's not about ideas. The entire 2016 election, the primary was not about ideas. And now that we've, we've come to that point, because I mean, frankly, that's been the way that it has been. I mean, you go back to which president or which person would you rather have a beer with uh, Gore or Bush it was, it was Bush because ideologically they weren't vastly different. And then you had several failed attempts uh, well, by McCain and Romney to have better ideas, and it didn't do any good because Obama was more popular. Trump tapped right into that. That's what you have now, and it's the sports team mentality. You know, it's only a foul when it's against your team. You don't ever hear people complain. You don't ever hear people go, you know what? We should give back that Super Bowl because we got an unfair call. They go, no, there, there was no call there. Our team won. Or if it was against your team, everybody says that was the worst call ever. And you have to change all of the league rules like the NFL with the stupid pass interference jug this year.
1: Wait, wait, wait. What's, what's that commercial, though? Where Remember? is it, It's like the Mormon. It's not the Mormon commercial. What's the commercial where like <laughs> no Mormon the commercial. guy's playing basketball? You know, like it's like and I see these a lot because I'm up at four o'clock in the morning, getting ready for work. And, you know, there's not as many commercials. A lot of them are the, um, the PSAs. It's like that PSA where the kid's playing basketball and and he says, I I, touched the coach. I touched the coach. (laughs) And the guy's like, yo, Alex, don't say that, man. Like we're going to win this game. And the coach is like, good job, man. And it's like sportsmanship. Like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen at all. Because that's why they had that commercial because nobody will call a foul on themselves.
0: Yeah. And that, that's what it is now. And so when I've watched this, and I think it's, it's funny because right now, right before we came on the podcast, I was on Facebook and there is a Facebook group called Overheard at UNC. And it's filled with UNC students from, I don't know, decades. And people post random stuff in there. And there's the point I'm getting at is there's an anti-war protest today at UNC Chapel Hill. Yes, <laughs> and I cannot recall many of those happening during the Obama administration. We talk about where the uh, the anti-war left hides. Every four to eight years, depending on who's in office, then they just reemerge like the uh, Homer Simpson meme coming out of the bushes and in reverse. <laughs> yes, And that's exactly what you have going on right now. All of a sudden, the left has lost their mind they are So I had to pull up this article. This was from Time. I couldn't remember where I had seen it, but it was Time magazine it says Iran vows harsh retaliation after U.S. assassination of Solomani. Uh, Assassinating. Now, when Obama was drone striking terrorist leaders and when he killed Osama bin Laden, they didn't call it an assassination. And these kind of biases is what fuels Trump. And the press cannot get it through their head that they just keep throwing gasoline on the fire.
1: Yeah. Also, no one said anything when he drone striked an American citizen, killing him without due process, which is like kind of one of the be- you know the benefits of being an American citizen is you are given um, that you're supposed to have due process. You're not supposed to be the uh, drone controller is not supposed to be judge, jury and executioner. And yet that's exactly what Obama did. Obama made the order. And where were all the anti-war protesters who are all upset about uh Bush using drones. Obama used more drones than any president in the history of the world. And, and, I, and I will say that obviously the technology has gotten better, so probably every president is going to eclipse the previous standard. But we haven't heard a lot about Trump using it. And you know what's funny is, this is what I find so fascinating. I don't think there's a big difference between Trump and Obama. When it comes to the way they look at foreign policy. Now, obviously, it's different in the way that they approach it. Obama was far more academic and Trump is far more about instinct. But but their instinct, their initial approach is the same, which is they do not want a conflict. Obama didn't want to be in the Middle East. Trump doesn't want to be in the Middle East. But what happened? Reality hit them. Reality hit him right over the head and Obama tried to pull us out of the Middle East. Things got worse, created ISIS, got even worse and we had to get more involved, which of course led to us getting involved in other areas of the, of the world like Syria and it was a huge failure. And that's what – you know. going back to like I had mentioned America First earlier, everyone always assumes that by us being involved over there that it's not America First because we're not putting America First. I would argue the exact opposite that we are doing exactly what America First stands for, which is we want America to be the safest place. And one of the ways to ensure that is to make sure that groups like ISIS and others who – I mean if you look at the terrorist attacks on American soil, yes, there are the homegrown um, you know, white supremacists that we have seen recently, some of these mass shootings, I get that. But the other terrorist attacks that we have seen in mass – uh, especially when ISIS was at its peak, were Islamic terrorists um, who attacked Americans and had a loose or in some cases a strict affiliation with ISIS and other groups in the Middle East. And if we allow these groups to flourish, it does affect us here. And one of the ways – and listen, if we, could, if we could snap our fingers and be out of the Middle East and not have to be involved, who wouldn't want that? You know, it's this idea. It's like everyone's like, oh, you guys want to be there. It's like, no, I just know that us being there is safer than the alternative. And to me, that is America first. If you want America to be safe, I think it's worth It's It's like the whole ISIS situation. Obama pulled out. We had a little short term time where we didn't we weren't spending money there. And then, uh oh, now we're fighting ISIS on a global scale. What did it cost for us to fight ISIS in Iraq, in Syria, elsewhere? I don't know what it cost. A lot more than if we just stayed in Iraq, and so it's like we get a short-term benefit, but the long-term consequences are something we can't ignore. And so I would rather a stay in the Middle East and have a small presence like you know recently this big debate about should we or should we not pull out of Syria and you know leave the Kurds um, you know high and dry. I'd rather a stay there with a small presence, which is what Trump eventually decided. Then to completely pull out and then risk, you know, this huge border fight and us having to get back involved two years later and we're spending 10 times as much money. So I actually think that in some cases you could argue that Trump's ideology and the Trump supporter ideology, America First, actually continues with us staying in Iraq. Now, people like Tucker Carlson might disagree with that, but I do think an argument can be made.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think until there is I mean, this is all due to the collapse of the Soviet Union. So there was a void in power. As long as there were two powers fighting against each other, it it created a a dynamic to which there wasn't a threat of the smaller things because there was always more of a, a bigger battle going on. Once there was just us, it's kind of now up to us to help. You know, I don't like the idea of policing the world. It's not up to us to jump into every little skirmish everywhere, but there has to be a presence to um you know, to to squash the, these things, but how do you also do it at the same time in a way that doesn't, and you know, provoke people? Because there are no matter what we do, I, I know I've said this already once about 15 minutes ago, but while we are there. When negative things happen, it's always going to cause more negative feelings against the United States as some sort of imperialist force. But at the same time, there are an awful lot of people who want us there, need us there, and know what bad will happen if we leave, right?
1: Well, that's what happened in Iraq. I mean, so if we pull out, it creates a vacuum, and then whoever fills that, we'd like it to be something good. Um, but you know, going back to your you know Cold War argument – I mean, basically the reason why we didn't see a lot of things happen, I mean, there obviously were skirmishes, but it's because everyone picked a team. It's like you were either a U.S. proxy or you were a U.S.S.R. proxy. And the thing is, is that they couldn't do anything unless they got basically, you know, their parents advice. So like we were the mom and, you know, Russia was the dad or whatever analogy you want to use. And you weren't allowed to do anything unless they said they gave you the okay. And so now we currently live in a world where there are proxies. I mean, that's the argument right now, actually, with Iran, interestingly enough. And there are some theories out there that one of the reasons why Iran's retaliation was more of a de escalation than an escalation is because essentially, um, you know, some of their big allies like Russia and China, you know, China's like everyone's ally that might be an enemy of, of America, is if they don't give the okay and say, yeah, keep going, then they're not going to do anything because they're going to have some really big economic problems, you know, like North Korea, right? North Korea uh, needs to, you know, do what China wants them to do. Uh, Iran arguably, you know, has to listen to China and Russia to some extent, but there are smaller states out there maybe who, you know, don't really care or bigger ones that maybe do have a little bit more independence that can do something. But – it's less clear nowadays. Back then it was either, like I said, Russia um, or the United States. Now, eh, like I said, maybe China, maybe Russia. You never know. It's a lot more confusing. And that's where it leads to all of these problems. I mean, I was, was fascinated when I was reading about um, Qasem Soleimani and, you know, he let head up the Kuds Q- the forces. You know, at one point the, you know, we were fighting with the Kuds forces against ISIS, you know, it's it's kind of like also the same thing in Syria, right? Where like we make allies with some of these horrible groups because, as you know, Sun Tzu famously said, "The enemy, enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend." You, that's what happens when you're talking about these foreign conflicts. Unfortunately, there are far more bad guys than there are good guys. And sometimes there is a badder guy. And so you'll align yourself with the bad guy to, to beat, you know, defeat the badder guy. Uh, the problem nowadays is that there's just so much more confusion, is that it's not as you know, black and white like it was back then with the US or um, Soviet Union. And so it's more confusing. Uh, but we do know that America is the good guy and us not being there to prevent vacuums from being created and then being filled by a bad guy um, is something that we unfortunately need to do. I mean, if we want to be, want to be a superpower, that's the responsibility, right? As Spider Man said, great power, great responsibility is, or was it Spider Man that said that? I feel like that was a, that was a, everyone always quotes Spider Man, but it was his else uncle said that, Ben, right? his uncle Ben said it. Yeah, yeah no, but wasn't it? That's like an actual like philosopher had that, right? Like, oh, I'm
0: sure. Yes. Okay. I just
1: want to make sure because like, I always like Spider Man and I'm like, wait, that, did I actually come from Stan Lee? Did he actually come up with that? Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's sort of the reality is that, you know, being the superpower, having all of these great things, there is sort of a responsibility, and we don't have, we don't have to go to war with everyone, but like I said, we can be kind of a parent. You know, when you're a parent, you don't throw your throw your kid in boarding school, but you can discipline them from time to time, and that's kind of what we did with Iran. We disciplined them.
0: And- <laughs> is that what we did? Well, you had the analogy backwards because clearly we would be the father, and they would be mother Russia.
1: That is so much better. That is. Can we go back and edit that? That was so much <laughs> no. better. Mother Russia. Oh <laughs> man. Oh. You I missed had, your opportunity I on that. Fifty shots, and I and I messed it up. Um, Remind but, me not to go to Vegas with you. Yeah, well, or or you know, it's sort of. Um, you know, you could make the argument. I know. – what is it called? Is it, is it gambler's fallacy? No, that's not right. Is that chasing money after good money after bad? What's the <laughs> one? It's, it's a gambler's fallacy, right? Where. You believe that if you you miss enough opportunities, eventually you're going to hit. Like you eventually have to hit. Or if you're hot, you're eventually going to cool off. One of those arguments. So it might actually be a good idea to go to Vegas with me because I messed up there. When I go to Vegas, I'll be good to go. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe. You just (laughs) never split kings. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Always double down, too. Always double down.
0: Hey, I'm just—I I only
1: bet based on entourage. <laughs> well, that's true. You never split kings. That's—that's. That's, yeah, come on, I live
0: on red. I guess five on the red. dealer. Or
1: maybe unless the dealer had an ace because you might have twenty-one under that. No, no, no. That'd be an even worse idea. Never mind. Don't listen to me. I'm actually going to be gambling in like three weeks. Let me see. Yeah, no, two weeks. Two weeks from now, I'm going to be at a casino. So, watch out.
0: Well, you just let uh, all of us know if you need to go fund me <laughs> to get back from wherever you are. I may have are. to
1: like, take my uh, microphone and do like an emergency podcast if I'm like broke to raise some money from for my gambling addiction.
0: Yeah, I probably so. well, so there was one more point I wanted to make okay, since ahead. we're running out of time. And instead of talking about gambling for the last five minutes, um, in case people didn't see it, President Trump had his press conference about two hours ago, I guess at this point. And I thought it was interesting because you were talking about how sometimes you have to punish the bad guy and we're the good guy. The left would have you think that we're no longer the good guy just because Trump could be the good guy in this scenario. So then we have to automatically be the bad guy. It's an ipso facto thing. So automatically everyone on the left is so sympathetic to terrorists because Trump is anti-terrorist. It's kind of a weird Trump derangement syndrome thing going on. And so obviously you and I are very critical of Trump when he does, you know, dumb things and he's rather (laughs) brash on Twitter and probably says things no one should say, but I do have to, you know, kind of give him credit when it's, when it's due. And I thought personally, and I want your take on this, that his press conference today and actually his comments yesterday when he was meeting with the president of Greece uh, and got asked a few questions in the um, whatever room they always sit in with leaders, um, that he basically said, You know, here's what's going on. We should not apologize for going after Soleimani. We should uh, not shy away from the fact that they have done bad things. Terrorists are bad. Also, at the same time, we should not just throw all in and escalate this situation. And he basically said today, we have the strongest military. We have the strongest economy. That doesn't mean that we have to go over there and use it. So I thought that was a pretty measured response for everyone who thinks that he's just some sort of unhinged lunatic. When, like we talked about earlier, 15 years ago, we might be rowing tanks uh, towards Tehran right now uh, in all seriousness. So, it kind of makes me question, you know, a lot of people who are on the left who hate Trump, he's he's actually more anti-war than a lot of war hawks on the right. Like he's pretty moderate and um to the people who are beating the war drums being pro Trump, I mean he's he's kind of anti-war at the same time. Like he he's never really what people think he is.
1: Yeah, well I mean, that's what I said. I I, I almost sometimes you know, I've joked about this in the past and sometimes I wonder if it's true, is that someone paid him to run for president and really all he's doing is calling out the hypocrisy of all politics because, I mean, he does this a lot where, you know, he says something and everyone assumes, OK, that's where his ideology is. And then like a day later or an hour later or whenever he completely flips like 180 degrees and then everyone has to go with him. And everyone – and it's like – I feel like he's doing that just to like embarrass everyone in Washington because like the Republicans all have to be lock and step with him pretty much and the Democrats all have to be against him. And so when he's bouncing all over the place, it's hard for everyone to figure out where to land and a lot of times they land and then go, oops, never mind, and then make – like I said, this whole deep state thing. For three years, the Democrats have been nothing but praising the – intelligence communities and how dare you question anything and anything that they may do and now all of a sudden they're all like whoa 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 whoa! we can't trust this intelligence what are you guys doing and then the exact opposite on the republican side and it's just like it's like amazing um but yeah no i thought his speech today was great uh, i thought this is exactly what you want and you know i took a couple of digs at you know Barack Obama, which you know, whatever uh, his base will love that. Was it necessary? Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he,
0: yeah. No, I mean, and that's the thing. He, he's he's always going to uh, to put his spin on things, and I think it's kind well, of Obama entertaining did that.
1: I mean, that, that's what I of course was amazing to me. And it, it, nothing outrages people more than when I say this is I'm like Obama and Trump are like the same person to me. I mean, they obviously have different you know, speaking patterns, and you know they're very different in a lot of ways. But the way they govern to me is very similar in that they're both, I think, lazy. I think they both, um, you know, weren't really interested in kind of, you know, how the sausage was made. They would just make this grandiose statement and be like, I'm going to go play golf and you guys just handle it. Uh, They like to ignore Congress, you know, Hey, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. You know, I got a pen and phone as Obama famously said, but Trump's a big fan of using executive orders. And so I think there's are very similar foreign policy is very similar even economics is very similar. I mean, Barack Obama, it was never a better time to be on Wall Street than when Obama was president. Trump's big tax cut, they both at one point like tariffs and saving American jobs, which I believe is incorrect. But theres it's funny how similar they are um, and how much they get criticized by the other side for being almost identical. Like, I mean, Obama all the time would bash Bush and we'd be like, oh my gosh, I mean, can you believe that? He's you know two years, three years, four years, five years, six years into his presidency, he's still blaming Bush. Trump's still blaming Obama for stuff. <laughs> like, um, and I mean, there's other there's not that his statement was completely untrue. I mean, we did give Iran money, and I would have rather have not done that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, do you have to do that? It's like, is that necessary? <laughs> like, it, it's almost would have been better if you hadn't, but I get why you did it. But that's what Obama did it for. Was he had to appease, you know, the liberals and his in his base by by ripping W any chance he got. And so I just am always amazed. At the similarities between Trump and Obama, that those same similarities drive the other side crazy, even though their guy did it all the time. And that's one of the things I, I, I like about Donald Trump. I don't like a lot of things, but that's one of them is, is how he acts just like Obama and the left doesn't doesn't see it and goes crazy over the same action.
0: I I will say uh, I always find him entertaining, to say the least. And I thought that was I thought that was a good good point today when he you know, he blamed everything on Obama and said he gave him cash and somehow blamed the cash directly on the attack, which I thought was was pretty bold. But, you know,
1: it's going to be an interesting 2020. We're off to a heck of a start, Tyler. Well, that's. I mean, we've already restarted the podcast. So 2020 is already better than 2019. Well, I guess we did a couple in 2019. So, but 2020, I get, I'll tell you this I've been telling everyone this. 2020, I got a feeling it's going to be a good year. I know it's starting off kind of weird. Everyone's talking about World War III and plane crashes. And I got a feeling, though, 2020 is going to be a good year. I got, I got, I got high hopes. Well, I think
0: that you are correct, and we're just going to have to see how it unfolds. And, um, you know, we've tried this new format back to the old uh, shoot from the hip, half an hour, no scripts, no, no uh, pre-written intros. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's the sign of the greatness to come. That's right. Just, just a couple of prophets uh, speaking the truth to, to, to those who will hear it.
1: Us, us being us, that's what you got to be, can't be anything else. That's right.
0: Well, now that we've talked about Iran more than the flock of seagulls, I think we should just uh, just end on that note.
1: Hey Tyler, what are you doing? Hey Kevin, I'm making a checklist between conservatives and liberals our age. Well, what's on the list? We have a newspaper. That's us. We got a television show. Us. A radio show. Us again. And uh, a group that gets UNCW funding. Hey, they got one. It's Kevin King and Tyler Crawley with Right, right on, on campus. campus After Hours. It's local. It's young. It's fresh, and it's conservative. We're two college students that think for ourselves. Oh, and we don't take taxpayer dollars either.
0: That's Right on Campus After Hours, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. to midnight.